welcome to a new series uh, on the Peruvian Waltz. Uh, we, we, you know, we do podcasts every Tuesday, sometimes Wednesdays if it's inconvenient. This week is going to be a Wednesday, and um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do something new. We're gonna do a special pod. Now this is gonna be a trial for now to see how it goes that goes down. Basically, what we're gonna do in these pods is we're gonna talk about something that either doesn't belong on the main pod or something that um. There's a whole topic that uh, that takes a podcast, and we don't have time to fit it in the regular podcast because of the um, because of the everyday everyday news that we get every or weekly news that we have to cover in the main pod. So the, this is going to be the special pod, and uh, they're going to be either, they, they, some of them might be shorter, some of them might be longer, might be same length. It, it it's it's kind of a go with the flow pod. So yeah, uh, we hope you guys enjoy, and uh, we, we're going to start here. Uh, we, we are doing another Segunda Edición en Copa Peru podcast, which we did a while back with me and Christopher. And yep. um, basically, uh, we're, gonna, we're just going to recap the Segunda Edición en Copa Peru instead of talking. Last time we kind of talked about like funny things from it. This time we're going like, to recap it and maybe break up some funny things as well. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm here with Christopher Viscardo, who uh, he's my only guest because he's... He, he and I are pretty much the only one in the Peruvian Waltz who know the Civil Navy Sion Copa Peru in depth. So, uh, how are you, Christopher? Pretty good, pretty good. I am sporting today, for those that are watching on YouTube, my uh, Sport Ancash kit, which I promised to do a few weeks back. And uh, still disappointed at the result of my, my team, unfortunately, this uh, last weekend with the first uh, National Stink match which we tied, but I think that we'll, we'll probably have an opportunity to talk about that here pretty soon. But yeah, I mean, as usual, happy to be here. Haven't, I wasn't in the the pod last week, so it's uh, it's going to be a good chance to talk about uh, Peruvian soccer. Should be, it should be a lot of fun. And um, just out of curiosity, who's in the back of that shirt? Is it Ronnie Kaleida? No, this is number nine. Uh, Ronnie Kaleida. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, I, I like to think it was probably Germán Carti. Germán <laughs> Carti. Did Checho Ibarra play for? Did Checho Ibarra play for Ancash? No, Checho Ibarra. I don't think Checho Ibarra ever got around. But he, I know he's, literally, he's literally played for every single team except for except for a few of them. He played for even played for San Simón. I mean, he's played everywhere. Really? Yeah, he he played for San Simón one of the last years of his career. I'm gonna check it quickly. Uh, we should. Yeah, we, are, no, we, are, you... we are. We are. We are planned. By the way, we are planned. By the way, I. I just. I just. I didn't expect to talk about Checho Ibarra, so that's how I'm looking this up. Um, I'm just checking if he played for Ancash. He did, no, he not. did not. He did not. He played for Osegaldas, Juan Carlos, Cienciano, Juan Aurich, Milgar, Sport Boys, uh, Once Caldas, Cienciano, Estudiantes, Guaral. I, I could go on this list forever. So he was a journeyman, and a pretty, a pretty, ter- a pretty terrible one as well. Let's be fair. Like he's the top scorer proven in history, but he's really he was really wasn't that good. Let's be honest. Germán Carti, on the other hand, did play for us, and I believe that he even played for us the year that we were in uh, the the uh, Copa Sudamericana tournament. Also, when you when you beat New Valencia four now, or is this another one? What was that? Was it, is it the one where you beat New Valencia four now? Yes, I mean he 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 played that year, so. If I'm not mistaken, I do remember seeing footage of him during one of those two games, either uh, one or either New Blenses or Palmeiras. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that he was part uh, part of that squad in 2008. All right. Uh, well, let's get started now for real. So the Segunda División, I'm just going to whip up the table quick, really quickly here because I have it up. Uh, basically, the Segunda División, it's kind of gone to a brawl. Like last year, it was a two-man race. Between Sport Boys and Sarvallejo, like it was really just those two. No one else even came close. And uh, now, now it's a uh, quite it's kind of close. Sarvallejo looked like they were gonna walk it, but they've kind of gone up the pace. They've um, only won one of their last five games, and Cinciano are three, four points behind them. Uh, Manucci have a game in hand, and they are. Um, let me let me just check this. They, they are eight nine points. I want to say or. No, it is seven. It's just seven. Seven points. But they have a game in hand. So uh, let's look at some of these stretches, shall we? And then let's uh, see what, what we think is going to go on. So I have all, all, the, li- all the list of fixtures. So San Vallejo, uh, the next game is at home to Juan Aurich. And uh, then they go away to Walgayoc. We don't know how hard it is to play over there. Uh, Alfredo Salinas at home. Alianza Atletico away. Sport Loreto at home. Willy Serrato away. And Carlos Meluchi at home. So Christopher, what do you make of those fixtures? 
I'm thinking there's three guaranteed wins in there, which it could last year. I think there were like a 58 points. So three, uh, 48, 51, 54. I'll give them the 54 points. So what do you, uh, if they win those three and it's not, that's forgetting all the other matches as well. So what do you think about the fixtures, Christopher? So, well, First of all, I think that the, the probably I think that the games against Carlos Manucci, especially that being the very last game of the season, of course, there's a big rivalry between the two teams in Trujillo. Uh, but I feel like they could that could be a tough game, but there is a game that they could they will potentially come out on top on. Same thing with Juan Aurich. I mean, for them playing in Trujillo or playing in in um, ah, what's the name of ah just escaped my mind. What uh Retrace your steps, Christopher. Retrace your steps. Where does Juan Arich play? The name of the Chiclayo. city. Oh, Chiclayo. Chiclayo. Oh, no. I, I think they're playing in Chumoyapa right now. Right, right, right. But, play, but for them playing in La Libertad or playing in Lambayeque, th those two are, are, are sister sister regions, honestly. So it's not really that, that big of a deal. Uh, well, in this particular case, of course, they're going to be playing at home. I think going away to Walgayok, that's always a tough part, right? As we yeah. have seen, Walgayok have a terrible pitch, and it is also terrible, terrible just to try to go all the way out there. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was either against Walgayok or, yeah, it has to have been the game against Walgayok last year, the very last match day that they unfortunately tied. They missed a penalty, and it's the reason why they're not in the yeah. first division this year. Basically. Uh, I mean, Honestly, uh, it was up to them, and then they weren't able to to finish it. And Sport Boys was able to force that tiebreaker in Cusco uh, that you, I believe, you attended, right, uh, Brian? I did. I did. I was there. I was even on the pitch taking pictures. So oh, wow. um, it was. Uh, it was. An, it was a good experience. One of the. It was my best. The best trip I've ever done. I've gone to many places before. Mm -hmm. So what? What else? What else? Going back on to the fixture, though, I mean, Sport Loreto also at home. Sport Loreto is not doing very well this year either. Uh, I think they have a pretty, like, honestly, they have a pretty comfortable uh, setup for these last few match days. But then again, as we know, the league has instituted a new format this year. So even if they do win by a lot of points, it gives them some, some advantage in the playoff bracket. But then I'm sure that they're going to run into some problems. Uh, depending of on how all the other positions uh, end up lining up, all the other six under them. Uh, but who knows? There's also a chance that Cienciano might might overtake him by then. Them then also. Which speaking of, let's look at Cienciano sessions. First of all, Mr. Raúl, uh, welcome in the chat. Uh, he's he's chatting with us. We know what is the best team in the second division playing the ball. Then which is Cienciano playing good too? How many teams go up? Three or four. Uh, that depends. Uh, the, there's a new format this year that uh, four teams will go up, but it could be two from Copa Peru, four, three from Copa Peru, or three from Segunda División. It's not four from one division because one one team from Copa Peru and one team from Segunda División are both guaranteed to go up. So it's one of those combinations. And uh, we'll talk about our ideal uh, promotions later. Right now we're going to talk about some of the fixtures. Now, um, I guess we'll look at Cincinnati's fixtures as well. Uh, Alianza Atletico to home first, which I think is a tough game, but I think Cincinnati do have enough to win that. Uh, Sport Loreto away. Willy Serrato at home, which uh, uh, I, I just want to know if God can save Willy Serrato in that game. We'll talk about Willy Serrato in some time. Or Serrato Bagamayo. Oh, that's, what that's her name. It's not Willy Serrato anymore. I got to get used right. to that. Carlos Minucci away. Copsol at home. Locamenes away and Santa Rosa at home. I think that's a very favorable line of fixtures. I think the only one, the only like real, really tough game where they're probably not favorites is against Carlos Minucci uh, at away from home. The rest are going to be favorites no matter what. Uh, so what do you, do you think without a run of fixtures, Christopher, do you think that they can catch up to San Vallejo, especially given San Vallejo have at least three guaranteed wins? I'm not saying that they, they guaranteed to win it, but like their 90% chance are going to win it. I'm talking about Salina, Serrato, and... Uh, and uh, Sport Loreto, I'm talking about those three games for Vallejo. But uh, for Cinciano, do you think it's a very favorable line of fixtures? Yeah, I think that, I mean, if you really look at uh, more into Cesar Vallejo's fixture, like we were talking a second ago, the, the furthest distance that they have to travel is to what? Like, like, Walgayok, right? One really, like, yeah. far away game, really. 
Well, in the meantime, I'm seeing that Cinciano does have to travel out a little bit more, right? Uh, and of course, them being a team from the Sierra and going down down to sea level is not as big of a deal as uh, Cesar Vallejo going up to up to the mountains. But it's still, can wear you out, considering that, like for example, it's a short distance to for Cesar Vallejo to see Juan Aurich, even if it's well, they're playing at home actually. Or Carlos Manucci at home. I mean, it's it feels like they have they're they're all set really to to take it, uh, at least in the league table, of course. Uh, but I I'm sure that Cincinnati will give them a run for their money. But uh, again, I think it would be uh, kind of crazy. We would really see Cesar, have to see Cesar Vallejo really lose their form in these next few matches for them to lose the uh, first place on the table. Well, they have lost form. Uh, I, I'll be honest. I didn't really. I, I mean, I checked the results, but I didn't write them down, so I'm not going to read it. It's. I don't want to distract myself too much from the podcast itself. But um, they. I do remember. I do, did write down that they only won one of the last five games, which is pretty bad if you consider Sarvejko. And I looked at some of their squad, uh, and it's not as strong as last year. Last year they had Jairzinho Bailon. They had um. I don't remember who they had net. I don't remember who they had net, but uh. Yeah, I believe Russ Stein was still there. They had Pando, who was in good form. He was killing it in the, in the Segunda División. And uh, I think he did also still there. And uh, this year they have Rekena, who I don't read Rekena in any sort of division. So I, I think that's a pretty bad sign no matter what. I still can't believe he played in that game against Mexico for Peru. That was awful. Uh, Wally Sanchez, who uh, he ended up in this division. He's kind of old. He was in Colombia two years ago, and he was doing all right. So I think that was a good signing. Raciel Garcia, who really did well with last season. So that's another that's another uh, good signing. And uh, Orejuela, who's 38 years old now. Anyone who follows Segunda knows that the veteran experience is the most important thing you can have in the Segunda Division because those are usually the ones that are top score. Uh, the, the, the physique doesn't matter for them. Uh, if they have level and they're old, then uh, they have better experience, or maybe some experience. They're usually going to do well. Orejuela has 12 goals in in uh, 21 appearances, almost 20. And then this young Ali Benitez, who did well last year. I believe he's 21 years old, and uh, he has four goals right now. So that's uh, that's an interesting that's an interesting one. The one that's not playing this so well this year is Pando. Pando, and I think it's Bajo, that's Bajo's fault, because Pando, um, Pando has been their star player for many years, and the yeah. fact that he's not playing much, and he only has three goals, I think that's hurt them a little bit. Now, as for Cinciano, they have Ramon Rodriguez, who's 41 years old, and he's still tearing it up. He has 10 goals. Like I said, age is very important in this division. Uh, there's Panzariello, who just signed a few weeks ago. Uh, if you remember, I don't know if you remember, Christopher, but Panzariello was the one who tore Utese apart in the Copa Sudamericana with Rampla Juniors. So I, it, it tells you that these teams can pay money to other players from abroad because uh, the Peruvian the Peruvian leagues pay better, are up economically better than the Uruguayan clubs, at least the provincial and the end clubs are not 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 the Lineño so much, but um, it tells you that they can pay. Well, I, I think that obviously there is some really really wide gaps between some of the teams. As we know, Cesar Vallejo has the ba- backing of, of a particular family that is very involved in politics and in and in government and, and in business in in Trujillo and that area. And Cesar Vallejo basically has unlimited pockets. Unlimited funds. Now, yeah, because he got all the money from the university, I'm pretty sure. What was that? They surely get the money from the university. I'm, I'm sure they. I'm, I don't know where they get their money. In fact, nobody knows where that family gets their money. Let's be honest. The university. But, well, I. Well, you can say the university. Some people have alleged that there is a darker side nah, to, well, to all well. of that, but we're not going to go into that, anyways. Uh, but as for Cinciano, it does surprise me, to be honest, considering that part of the reason why they descended to the second division in the first place was because they were running into some financial trouble. Um, I know yeah. that there was someone, someone on Facebook that commented that he wanted to know a little bit more about ownership. And unfortunately, that is something that we could work on uh, for sure in the Peruvian Waltz, but it is a little secretive and then it's a little complicated to try to figure out uh, how some of these teams work and part part of the problem is you know the just the way that this loss was set up in Peru, but yeah, I mean it really did surprise me that you mentioned you mentioned that that player because 
I do remember him during the Sudamericana just yeah. uh, this year alone against Utese, right? And yeah, uh, he was he was pretty good in the first leg too, but in the second leg is where he really showed up and uh, he tore Utese apart. But let's get, let's let's move on to another team. Let's not talk about Pancerela. First, I want to say one more thing uh, about Cinciano. They have a lot of local talent, which is good to see. Uh, Ronella Mata, Rudy Palomino, who's actually born in Machu Picchu. Uh, I, don't ask me how that works. I, I have no idea. Like, well, well, there's, there's Machu Picchu City, which is right off the right off the archaeological. Isn't, 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 isn't that Aguas Calientes, though? I'm pretty sure it's like, Aguas Calientes. It has like three different names, one of them being Machu Picchu City. Some other people call it Aguas Calientes. But no, he was, I doubt he was actually born in the Citadel of Machu Picchu. All right. Um, so uh, there's also Inti Garrafa who played for Deportivo Garcilaso uh, last year. And um, I, I thought it was pretty good. He's doing quite well in Seattle this year. So, And uh, there's Ankajima who sounds like an Indian name. Uh, I don't know if he's announced his birthplace yet because uh, everywhere I've checked is Lima. I'm not sure, but he's on low from Sporting Games talent. He looks like an interesting player. So I want to watch. And Biasanti was a really good signing because uh, he was Ayacucho's star keeper for many years and uh, pretty much one of the reasons Ayacucho stayed up so many times. Yeah, so no, much. for sure. Because now, now he's gone and look where Ayacucho are. They're, look, they're going to go down. So, Yeah, no, well, he was. he's always been a good penalty taker. You know, I think he has one of those uh, qualities that it has starting to become a little bit more rare in goalies. I mean, it was kind of a fad back in the 90s where your goalie was also your best penalty taker uh so for for ayacucho I, I remember him many many times where he would be the one that would go up there and uh shoot penalties you know get out get out of his box and go all the way to the other side of the field and not be <laughs> like chilavert chilavert was one of the great rogeri seni who scored like 100 goals as a goalkeeper yeah Something as like a example. goalkeeper exactly exactly so and also he was a he was a big leader and i think someone that well, let's let's be honest. Biasanti is a little bit older, right? So he was seen as a bit of a team leader. He was team captain for Ayacucho for a long time. Yeah. And yeah, I think that uh, that we can blame the Ayacucho not being able to retain him as a big reason why they're in so much trouble today. And and talking about his performance in in Cienciano, I think he's been pretty solid. He's been pretty yeah. solid. Let's, re let's do remember. That Cienciano had a really slow start at the beginning of the season. I believe it's six games without winning at all. I I panicked, I freaked out because obviously I do not believe that Cienciano deserves to be in a lower division, uh, with its history and its past. Um, but but since then they have been able to to come back really and to and to pull off things that uh, we didn't see them doing at the beginning of the season. By the way, a shout out to Peter. Hello, uh, Peter. I didn't think he showed up. Didn't think you show up in the chat. Uh, how are you, Peter? Hope you're good. I'm uh, glad you're enjoying this episode. We really put we really put a big effort into doing it. So um, yeah, I was just making sure. I was just making sure. I was just seeing who was tagging me there. All right. Uh, so now let's go to the other teams. Let's talk about the other four teams, and then let's go the other four teams in in the fighting, and then let's go to um the relegation. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about two, three more teams. No, let's talk about the other four teams that are fighting for that first spot. Uh, I'd say what I live one of the Manucci are the only ones, the only other ones fighting it, and the only one who really stands a chance, in my opinion, is Carlos Manucci, just because they have that one game in hand. So um, I believe they played twenty games as a, as opposed to Vallejo uh, and Cincinnati who played twenty one. So let's let's take a look at their fixtures, okay? So first, before we look at what I let's look at Manucci's. Manucci are fifth currently, and they have Cosol away, Los Caimanes at home, Santa Rosa away, Cincinnati at home, Atlético Grau away. Sport Vitoria at home and Sarvejo away. Uh, I think that is that's quite tough actually because um they've got the first two games it should be pretty straightforward. Let's be fair. Then they have a Santa Rosa who are pretty good at home. They have the altitude as well, so that's not an easy game for them. And uh, Cinciano is never an easy game. Cinciano are, are tearing it up right now, and especially in the form they are. I can't see anyone stopping them. Then they go with Atlético Grau and Pura. Uh, Atlético Grau have not lost a single home game this season, so that's not easy. And uh, Sport Victoria should be a breeze, while Vallejo, it can go either way. So what do you think on those fixtures? Yeah, I think I think I would I think I would agree with you. Um, it's uh, it's gonna be tough, but again, I guess it's it's not impossible. Uh, we know that it's a strong team and yeah, I think things could uh, could go kind of either way, you know? 
kind of like a black or white situation, really, in my mind. From Manucci, for sure. Uh, let's look at the other two. I think Guadalla, before we go to Manucci's players, Guadalla and Guadalajoka, the other two fighting it, I don't see these getting close, to be honest. Uh, especially if we look at some other fixtures. I think what I'll have a, a bit of an edge over Walgayoko. Walgayoko is the tougher fixtures, in my opinion. What I ask Juan Aric away, Juan Aric is struggling a lot. We'll get to them in a second. Uh, Walgayoko at home. Walgayoko aren't very good away from home. What I'll are, so I think that's a pretty straightforward win for what I'll. Salinas away, which is a tough game. Espinar is not an easy place to go to, regardless of how, how the squad has kind of been torn apart over the season. Uh, that's not an easy yeah. game to go to. Alianza Atletico to home, which Alianza Atletico are in really good form. And since they don't they usually struggle in altitude, when they Guadalajara is not altitude, so when they when they go to Guadalajara, I think that, that that can go either way. There's Sport Loreto at home, which Sport Loreto has had to show up, then that that should be a tough game. If if you don't know Sport Loreto, uh, the other day uh, Copsol played against Sport Loreto at home, and Sport Loreto didn't even show up, so Copsol won by walkover. And what's funny is one of my friends lives in Ventanilla, and he went from Ventanilla to Cañete. Which is like you see the game. three, four, three, four hours, and the game wasn't even played. So poor man. Oh. Oh, and uh, Woody Serrato's last, which, to be honest, Woody Serrato is, is pretty much a free win at this point. So, um, yeah. And Walgayok has Sport Victoria away, Vallejo at home, Guadal away, Juan Aurich at home, Afro Salinas away, and then it's Atletico. They have one last game than everyone else. They played twenty-two. So um, I think they have tougher games, but I think they. Um, I they, they have the home games against the strongest teams, but they have the one that one away game at Espinar, which is not easy. So, um, Christopher, what do you who do you think has a bigger chance here? I think Guadalajara have been inconsistent, to be honest. Guadalajara are a little bit too. I think Guadalajara are a bit more. I mean, they just lost to Sport Victoria the other day, and uh, that was that was a tough loss to them. I'm, I don't know. I think that. I think that when Guadalajara plays at home, the home crowd has has been doing a pretty good job to uh, to. Uh, Turning out and really supporting the team, and I think that has put some pressures on the uh, pressure on the visiting teams. If I'm not mistaken, what uh, I tied against uh, Cesar Vallejo just last weekend, right? I think that shows you how how important the home advantage is, and I think that it can be uh, beneficial to them uh, a little bit more than well, then trying to face, the, you know, then, then seeing like Walga Yoke's fixture and trying to face Sport, Sport Victoria away, uh, what, like we said, Waral away, uh, and Alfredo Salinas away. And so I think that if uh, con comparing Union Waral's uh, home matches to Walga Yoke's home matches, I think that Union Waral has it a little bit more in the bag than Walga Yoke does. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what to think of it. What I have some interesting players. Um, first of all, they have who's been constantly linked to Alianza Lima in the last few weeks. Uh, it's not doesn't seem to be happening yet, but it, he's been constantly linked to Alianza, and he's a pretty good player. I've not seen a whole lot of him, but the bits I have seen, he has impressed me. So he's one. He's 19 years old. Then there is uh, Christopher Soto. If you remember, it's Alianza fans, Ayacucho fans. He played in the Primera División. They didn't cut it, and in Segunda División, he's doing all right. But he's still not not a fantastic player, so he wound up in the Copa Perú in a few years, no doubt. But um, he's uh, he, he can do all right in this division, I think. I think he's not the worst you can get. So there's Christopher Soto. Then a familiar name. Uh, well, before we go to a familiar name, uh, Diego Diego Caravaño, who uh, I've seen him. He's an interesting talent. I think he's 20 years old. He's like a deep line playmaker. Uh, I've seen a bit of him, and uh, I like what I saw. Uh, I, I'm Christopher, do you remember when you seen Caravaggio? We live tweeted a game before. Uh, I think it was Juan Copson, and we were both impressed with Caravaggio. Do you remember him? Yeah, I do remember him. If I'm not mistaken, was he was he a mid? Yes. If I'm not mistaken, yes. Yes, he had some interesting plays at that game. I think it was part of uh, uh, that. Well, I mean, that was that was quite an interesting game. Uh, Copson was really, doing really bad at the beginning of the season. They're also uh, losing games at home, and I think that key. Part of uh, of the creation of the place during that game for what I was was uh, uh, Carvano uh, yeah. for sure. So yeah, no, I think he, I think he has some potential. Uh, to be honest, I haven't paid as much attention to him, I guess, but uh, for sure, someone to keep our uh, our eyes open for. All right, um, the the last the last thing I want to get is uh, Diego Chavez. If you, uh, I'm sure some of you remember him with Universitario. 
Some seasons he was good, other seasons he was bad. His last season uh, was very good, uh, 2016. He was very good for like half the season, and then he kind of dropped off. But um, he's at what I now. I, I think he joined Kai Manis at the start of the year. Didn't work out for him. Uh, I think Machito Gomez didn't want him on the team or something. No, I made that up, but um, <laughs> I made that up. I just, I, I just have to have, a, I just have to have a pop of Machito Gomez. I'm, I'm probably dead tomorrow, but <laughs> after saying well, that, you gotta watch out, dude. But anyways. I gotta watch out. Okay, I don't think he can speak English anyway, so. Um, next up, Walgayok has Jalin Quintero, who has played at America de Cali when they were in the Segunda División in Colombia, uh, which is no small which is no small feat for this division. Uh, I've seen him. He's pretty good. The one thing about uh, this was Josias Cardoso and Christopher's favorite player, Ronaldo Caleda. Nah, don't even talk to him. I don't, I don't want you to mention that name ever again. Well, he's only he only scored five goals in the Segunda. You said he was scoring hat tricks. He only scored one hat trick, and then he's ever since he's only scored two goals. So, um, I guess he's not getting well, old. Not, sure. Yeah, but again, experience is everything in this division. Uh, it's not really worked out for him. I think Josias Cardoso and uh, Johnny Quintero are better players. And uh, the the thing about uh, Walgayok is that they're not a very good team defensively. They've conceded 13 goals away to stronger sides in recent times. They conceded four goals to Juan Aurich. I think, no, four goals to Juan Aurich, four goals to Manucci, and then five to Cinciano. And I've seen that defense, they, they did not look organized at all. They, they were just all over the place. Every time Cinciano ran the defense in that game, they were they just fall apart. They, they, it's kind of like when you're playing a battle royale game and you're, you're like a new player and then you hear gunshots, like you start running away from it if you're a new player. That's kind of what I felt the... One of the defense was like they were like really intimidated and uh, they just did not want to defend at all. It was just a mess. And the defensive line, I, I took a closer look. It's Ivan Chupitas, who I think played for Ayacucho, if it's the right Chupitas. There's two Chupitas. There's uh, Ivan and Javier. I'm not sure. I think this is the one played for Ayacucho. And Ayacucho's defense has always been a mess, so it didn't surprise me much. Javier Senjo, Victor Cartagena, and Junior Casanova, which none of the three names are I'm really too familiar with, but they did not impress me. And, um, yeah, let's go to Manucci's players. Uh, there's Pedro Diaz, who have raved on the past few weeks about how he's one of the best proving young keepers. And I stand by that. He's very good. Uh, there is Mesa Cuadra, who is a no player, but he's not had this success in this division. I mean, he could be good at the hold-up play, but he's only scored four goals in 16 appearances, so it's not been great. There's Romantin Matamoros at the back of keeper. Romantin Matamoros is the, um, was Grau's keeper last year. And then there's Niger Vega. Um, Marcelo Papano and Oscar Noronha, all three of who are, are tearing it up this division. Marcelo Papano and Oscar Noronha in particular. Nijer Vega's kind of wrapped form gradually in the last few weeks. And as for the new signings, there's Mario Tajima, Renzo Sheput, and Josimar Vargas, the recent signings. So um, they're only going to get better. What do you think, Christopher? Yeah, I think well. I think it will be quite interesting to see what, what happens with that. Obviously, they have they have a goal in mind, and I think that it's not impossible. For some reason, like I said, I feel like it could be a, a black or white situation with them. we kind of seen that in the past also. I mean, I, I recall last season them starting very strong, right? 8-1 eight, eight to one against my poor Sporankash, and, I, and if I'm not mistaken, they had a few other results that were kind of like that at home, really just destroyed it. And then after that, they kind of toned down. So they seem to try to be at, trying to avoid that by kind of reinforcing their 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 team as we get uh, kind of to, towards the end of the season. But then again, it's just that things are so different this year, honestly, because last year... Really, it just matter if you were on top. If you were the very first one, you were going to go, be going to uh, you. You would you would be promoted. But this particular year, uh, we we'll just have to see how things play out with uh, with this new playoff uh, bracket and uh, kind of see who, who everybody gets paired up with. But for sure, all the all the teams that we have mentioned, including Carlos Manucci, will for sure be part of that bracket, in my opinion. Yeah, and uh, we just got a question here. Uh, how Jason Beans is doing at Sport Ancash? I thought he was retired because he had a lot of injury problems while he was playing for Muni and Alex Atletico. That, my friend, we'll get on when we get to the Copa Peru part. So uh, just be a little bit patient, but we will talk about Jason Beans. I'm sure Christopher has some words on him. So um, 
Uh, let's let's go talk about now. Let's talk about the sixth, seventh, and eighth. Now, mid table, we're gonna get kind of just skip because it's kind of pointless. We're gonna talk about that in the relegation race. But uh, okay, so there's an Atletico who I'm gonna check out how many points there are. I, kind of, I think they're on 36 points. They're on 35. Okay, so I'm close. I'm one point off. But they're in stellar form. They've won, I think, the last four, or they've won four, three of the last four. It's something like that. But they're they're on a rise, and for a good reason. I've seen them. They have some really talented players. Then there's one outreach who are kind of falling, and uh, I think one outreach is one that can is really it's really have to fear that they're gonna miss out. And I'll get on to that in a second. And then fighting for that playoff spot, it's Santa Rosa and Atletico Grau, which um, Atletico Grau I've mentioned earlier. They have not lost a single home game this season. They've drawn a few, but most of them have been wins. So um, they they do not lose at home. They make their fortress. But amazingly, they're ninth. They're not they've not done too well away from home. And uh, Santa Rosa is kind of a similar story, but Santa Rosa um, have not been as good at home. And uh, they, they, they've got some away results too. Well, I guess Grau have as well, but let's, um, so let's take a look at some of the, I, I, I'm gonna skip the Alianza Atletico remaining results because I think it's a bit pointless. They're, they're going to make the playoffs. If they, do, if they don't, I'm going to, I'm gonna literally eat an apple with a worm in it, so. I mean, um, honestly, the, the gap, the gap, just like if you look at that gap between seventh and eighth, between Juan Aurich, who would be going on to the playoffs, and Cultura Santa Rosa, it is five points, right? And at this late in the tournament, that's pretty much it's pretty much it, honestly. To me, unless there's a miracle, I do not see, like, for example, Santa Rosa. Maybe Grau, like you said, you know, they've been pretty solid, but still, Grau is what? Seven points away? away uh, from let me check. They are... Um... That is correct, seven points. Yeah, seven points away from trying to reach that spot. I think the gap has pretty much set itself in. I think that we know who the seven that are going to be moving on to the Liga are. I think that what, what's interesting will be to see uh, who ends up pairing with who because there is seated uh, pairing already. Four with fifths, second with seven, yeah. third with six. And that well, and that that could really be quite interesting. Well, we'll check out some of those clashes at the end of the show in the section. Right. I think. Um, I think we should talk about Juan Aurich. Well, first of all, I want to talk about Atletico because I have some praises I want to give them. At the beginning okay. of the season, I said they're one of the candidates to get relegated because I didn't think they had it in them. I didn't think the owners were really interested, and I think that was the case at the start of the season because at the start of the season you can clearly see a lack of interest. They they, they really didn't look that good, but um, as the season went on, they gradually got better. And I think the owners realized, you know what, there's potential. We can go back up. And uh, one thing I love about Lens Atletico is um, during the, when they were in the Primera Edición, they were playing at a different ground. I remember there was a lot of jokes and memes about that ground. I would, like People were like taking the piss behind the stadium and stuff. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was really bad. It was a really small ground, and it looked like a park, essentially. But um, the, the one thing I wanted to say is um, uh, they, they, were, they were playing there because they were building a new a – new, um, stand for the Campeones de 36, which is their traditional stadium. And uh, now that they're playing, they're filling up pretty much every game. I'm not sure if you've seen it, Christopher, but they're filling up yes. literally every game. Like, we need that Primera. That, that's what a Primera looks like. Some people say it's because of the new stand was built. But Alianza Atletico is a team with fans. And in the Segunda Division, they tend to be more people who go to the games than Primera. So, um, Cinciano, prime example. Sport Boys, prime example. So um, you that that's one thing uh, that I'm I'm keen on checking out because it's um I want to see if the Atlanta Atlético will do this in the Primera División. I hope they get they're allowed to play the Campeones de Tenerife. That's the traditional ground. That's the traditional ground of the Bendaval. Now some of the uh, as for some of the players that the top scorer in the league, Jair Cordoba, who I think is like 23 years old. He's 23 or 24, and um, he has 20 goals. Six of those coming from one match against Willy Serrato, but it's no small feat. Uh, I try to get the in. I try to get the data for who's the top all-time score in the season uh, for, in the Segunda División. I couldn't find it unfortunately, but Jerry Cordova surely has to reach 30 goals if he keeps his form up. Because he's um he's playing uh, he's playing very well. I can see a Premier Division team going from. The thing about Jerry Cordova is I don't think he has that much talent though. I think he's a, I think he's a poacher. I think he's a player that uh, will get the ball in the net. He's a good finisher, good off the ball movements. But nothing outstanding. I think he's a. I think he's a player who will do well at a lower, lower team in the in the Premier Division, which it will be cool if he stays at Suyana for um 
if, if they get promoted. That'll be that'll be a nice sight. Now, as for other players, there's Christian Vargas, who is um who is a Suyana boy. He played for Atlético Grau last season in the Copa Peru. He was a sub, but this season he's playing and uh literally you, you give him the ball from one side of the box and in a few seconds he'll be on the other side. Because like most of his goals are Maradona-esque. Like he just beats the whole team, and I don't know what he's doing in this division. He's he's very very good. And uh, there's Axel Campos, who's also he has a lot of flair. He's he's another player in Keenan checking. Uh, he played for Sport Lorenzo last year, but didn't get many appearances. I asked a few journalists in uh, Pucallpa if uh, he was any good, and they they're like, "Why are you talking about him? He's, he's no good." I disagree. He's very good. He's he's got good really good flair. Atlético uh, Atlético is a team with a lot of interesting talents, like I said. And um, as for the last one, Joseph Vega, who's played in the Segunda División of Copa Peru for many years now. Uh, he's 24 years old, and I think he's also interesting. I think he's a balanced fullback. I don't see a huge future in him uh, because of his age, but I think he can play for a lower league, uh, Primera División team, possibly, or uh, one of the teams that's fine promotion Segunda. Uh, I feel like his, his limit might be in, in between the gap between Segunda and Primera, which obviously there is no league in between them, which is kind of like Jordan Rhodes in England where uh, he's too good for the championship, but he's not good enough for the Premier League, kind of like that. And um, if you don't want to say anything, Christopher, I guess we can go to Juan Aurich. Well, yeah, go, go ahead. I guess I'll comment just for a minute regarding uh, Alianza Atletico. I think it, the issue is that for us, I kind of grew up in the 2000s, and, and now in, in this decade, we haven't really seen Alianza Atletico. But in reality, Alianza Atletico is a team with a lot of history in the first division. Aside yeah. from... That they were probably the only other team that managed to stay in the first division that it's from like outside Lima that stayed for more than 10 consecutive years. And so then they had their relegation in the, I want to say 2000, 2010, 2011. Yeah, I, think, I, I think it was 2010 because it was 2010 because 2011 was saying he was when it went down. So. Right. So in 20, 2010, after the relegated from first division, they don't go to second division, they don't go to Copa Peru, they just completely disappear. And then they are brought back some four or five years later out of like magic also by, <laughs> by, by I believe, some supposedly the owner got like a FIFA letter or like a like court of arbitration letter saying that they had to be reinstated and then magically they, they reappeared. But obviously they didn't have the grounds, they didn't have the money, they didn't have anything else. That's why they're back in the second, or they're now finally for the first time ever actually in the first in the second division. But like you said, I think that the people in that locality did really crave seeing their team again after so many years. That's the reason when they're turning up. And the hope would be that they continue to do so. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. But yes, Com Campeones del 36 is a, it's a very classic stadium for Peruvian football also. People think that it's called Campeones del 36, Champions of 36, because of the 1936 Olympics. But it's actually because the the local team, the regional team, uh, won a championship that year. And so they, they was their first championship. So they, they named the stadium after that. But anyways, that's just one of those many things I, I have uh, collected in my brain as random pieces of information uh, that, I guess, come in handy. Campeones del 36 is a very nice ground, and it's even better now with the new uh, stand. It's not like the sure. Monumental where they've been building a stadium that's way too big for them. No, this is this is big enough, I think. So I think this is the this is the biggest this should ever get, unless Alexa Tético win like three Libertadores and they have fans from, fans from Nepal or something. I don't know. So, um... Let's look at Juan Aurich. So Juan Aurich are kind of on a, a, a drop. They've only won one game in the last five. And um, they, they had a good start this season. They have a good squad, too. They have a Joel Herrera, who is a very good, who is, he's very good defensively for this division. Uh, Jose Estrada, who, you know, he wasn't very good at low, but he's playing as a winger now. He's scoring goals. He's doing better. Um, maybe he didn't get a second chance in the Primera, but it's a different position because it's a right back even to work. And no doubt, he's not playing as right back. Then there's Anderson Cueto, who was one of uh, Cristal's failed projects. Uh, he's he's been in the Segunda Division for many years now, and uh, he's 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 been quite a marquee player there. So um, there's and there's a Campolónico still there, Marvin Rios, and Alfredo Carrillo is uh, one of the top scorers on loan from Alianza. He has seven goals. Uh, the top scorer is Cueto right now with eight goals. And um, Juan Arich have away to Cesar Vallejo, at home to Guaral, away to Walgayoc. At home to Salinas, uh, away to Alianza Atletico, and at home to Loreto. That's pretty tough, if you ask me. I think um, 
Uh, Alfredo Salinas and Sport Italy should be beating, but I don't want to say that because they literally drew with Sport Vittoria who were near the bottom the other day. So they really are in a bad run. So I don't want to say that they're going to draw They're going to win it. And uh, as for their number eight, num- the eighth place, which I think is only five points. No, they're at four points behind. Uh, they have Sport Loreto at home, Willie Serrato away, which, like I said, Willie Serrato, this part of the season, is pretty much a free win. Then there's Carlos Manucci at home, Consolo away from home, Los Caimanes at home, and Cinciano away, which I think all, all those games are winnable except for Cinciano away, if you ask me. And um, Cruz and Rosa, the problem is they don't win away from home. The last seven games away from home, they've lost them all. But um, uh, I guess, I guess with Serrata, they're going to win. So that's one away game they've got out of the way. Uh, Copsol is a coin toss. And um, that's the and Cincinnati, they're going to lose. So what do you think on these runs, Christopher? Cruz and Rosa and Juan Aurich are going to battle. I think Grau is going to kind of stay out of the way here, personally. And... Um, yeah, uh, what do you think here? Well, like I said a second ago, I think that, that, that I mean, we can see some interesting games coming uh, from them here pretty soon, but I, I do not think that they're going to be really able to, to cling on to one of those seven spots. Uh, the, gap, the gap is starting to form. The gap is starting to become wider, and with time, it might only become – even wider than that, because obviously, if like if they win, let's say for some reason all their matches uh, at home and all of that, I still think that the teams on top of them, the uh, you know fifth, sixth, and seventh place, can st- still have enough of a gap that they can they can be comfortable uh, with where they are. But still, though, I think well, Cultural Santa Rosa has been in this division for quite a few years now, and they seem to be kind of be stuck. On that between bottom and, and mid table position, so I mean it's nothing surprising. I think Atlético Grau um, has had a good season. It's their first season in the first second division, also. So I'm sure that they will have learned a lot of lessons that they can then go and um, kind of improve upon for next season. And I think that we're seeing a pretty good season from them right now. Like you said, they haven't lost uh, at home at all, and they're probably going to try to to do even better um, do even better next year. All right, now let's go to the regulation battle. Copsol, Locaimanes, and Salinas. I'm going to skip you because there's not much to say. I mean, Salinas is going to win most of their home games. They lost 5-0 for the first time at home. That, that was a pretty big shock to some of the people uh, at the Chalaca, which I work with sometimes. They were pretty shocked to that result. So... Um, Look, Amanda said they want to say something. Michel Sobo has really disappointed me because he had a really bright start to the season. And after I praised him on Twitter once, he just never played well again. So it was, I, I was like, it's like a tweeter's curse. Tweeter's it's, curse. Yeah, it's a birdie touch curse. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, I should also mention that Herman Carti Jr. is playing at Look, Amanda's, but it's not the same one at Alianza. So apparently, Herman Carti has two sons named Herman, which that Wait, man is really? a living legend. There's a player named Herman Cartier de Caimanes, and there's a player named Herman Cartier de Alianza. I mean, it can't be a coincidence, no, can it? They can't know. I'm, I'm guessing that one of them was like, oh, I really like Herman Carti, so I'm going to name my son Herman, and her last name is Carti, and the other one is actually Herman Carti's uh, <laughs> son. Okay, okay. Um, let's go on to the relegation battle. So, First, talk about Willy Serrato. Um, like I said, any game against them is a free win. They're pretty much a dead team. Now, some of the things that are going wrong with the team. Uh, well, first of all, uh, I, I'm not sure if John, John Galicchio is there anymore, but Luis Galicchio is there. I'm sure you remember him, Christopher, from Sport Rosario. Yes. Luis Galicchio. Mm-hmm. But um, first of all, they're playing. They have a low knee from Universitario named Patricio Torres. He's a goalkeeper, and for some reason, he's played 10 games in forward. And he's managed to score one goal at the same time. So that's the first thing they're doing wrong. Secondly, the last three games, or four of the last three games, or three of the last three games, three of the last four games, I'm sorry, they've lost 8-0 all those games, and then they lost at home to Sportlet 4-1, which is still pretty bad. So they're pretty much dead. They're three points at this point. Orlando Lavalle, uh, the manager of Copsola, he clearly said that he did not enjoy the 8-0 win against against uh, Serrato because they um, – it, it, it gave it made him sad how a club can be so poorly run and those players there uh, how those players are poorly treated and um, that's basically well, what 
Well, this this week they only showed up with twelve players. You know, so yeah. eleven that played on the field. I mean, this is that's the reason why the the poor universitario kid is playing as forward because there's literally no one else. I remember, I remember not this season, but the season before that one when Sporankash made it all the way to the playoff uh, against Cantolao. Uh, the coach Orlando Maldese was complaining, and he was complaining hard that he only had 16 players available, right? And that, I mean, that was already a tough situation as 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 uh, that was. I can't imagine how it would be playing with 12 players. Those poor guys know that they're going to be having to play all 90 minutes. There's no substitutions. There is no getting, you know, like a, a cramp in the middle of the game because there's no one to sub you. And yep. honestly, for for professional sports, uh, that I think the like a like an animal that has been wounded and then just just like right there on the floor, you know, you can't do anything about it. I mean, it's it's really sad and it's really unfortunate. And you know, they they don't deserve that as professionals. They deserve much better. Yeah, for sure. Uh, especially the whole Patricio Torres thing, it's just disrespectful. Like, like for the both Lau and the player. So um, he was yeah. Lau's third choice keeper. So that's terrible. But let's move on to um, the relegation battle. Now, I just want to say quickly that we're not going to talk about Copa Peru in this one. We're kind of running low on time in the end. We got a plan. Me and Christopher made a mistake in our planning. And uh, we'll make it up for you, though. And we will answer the Jason Binks' question. So um, that, that's one thing I promise to answer, and we will answer it. So, but first, let's talk about the relegation battle. So there is um, Sport Loreto in 14th, which they're currently in the relegation zone, and Sport Victoria in 13th. Now, uh, Sport Victoria has Walgayoc at home, Salinas away, Alianza Atlético at home, Loreto away, Cerrato at home, uh, Manucci away, and Copsol at home. Wow, uh, Loreto has Santa Rosa away, Cinciano at home, Grau away, Victoria at home, Vallejo away, Guadalajara at home, and Aurich away. Now, uh, Loreto has their home advantage against Victoria, and that is going to be huge for them because and I don't know if they're taking it so seriously anymore because of that walkover they got against Copson just a week ago. And um, I think that um, Sport Loreto, I don't know who has the edge here. They both have equally tough games. I mean, Sport Victoria has to go to Espina, which is always tough. Uh, they have they have, they have Sarato, so they have a free win. And they have um, uh, Sport Loreto, Vallejo, Waste, and Siena at home. And um, Aurich away. Well, Aurich away is, win is winnable or tieable just because of how poor they've been. But um, I think Grau is a loss. Uh, I think the, the main one we have to pay attention to is the Victoria game, uh, which I haven't checked dates. But, um, yeah, it is, that, that's the game. And um, one thing I've noticed about these two teams, they don't have a lot of veterans. And I think that's one thing that's really hurt them. Because, like I said, veterans is really important in this division. Uh, I personally want Sport Loreto to stay up uh, just because they have Marco Godos, who is a former Dean player, so I want them to stay up for that. And um, I, I hope Mark, I hope they stay up just for Marco Godos. No, no. In seriousness, here's the question. Who would you prefer to see stay up as a Peruvian football fan? The team from Ica, which has which is a big city, an important city, and has a lot of players. It is basically a region that gets a lot of players uh, in the national team and stuff. Or a team from the Amazon, which there's only one other team from the Amazon, the professional divisions, and that's Union Comercio. So who, who would you prefer to see stay up? But to be honest with you, that is a tough question, especially because throughout the seasons we have seen Sport Victoria actually be fairly professional compared to some of the other teams in the second division that you know do not take it seriously or unfortunately are not given the chances that they should to be able to keep uh, consistent campaigns. But Sport Victoria, on the other hand, they're always, you know, signing uh, sponsorship deals. You know, they, they hold their press conferences. They're, they try to be professional. Uh, and I think that it's always good for the sport, especially for the second division, as we know that, that it's, a, it's a very frail division. Uh, if you look at, you know, the division 10 years ago, there's a chance that none of those players were playing uh, – None of those teams were in that division at all, meaning that we're just having a lot of turnover very, very fast. Um, so, Sport Victoria, the, the good thing is that I think that if they were to go down, they would not be one of those teams that just disappears, right? I think that they would continue to try to work harder and they could probably co come back 
we could see good performances from them in the Copa Peru in upcoming years. You know, in the national stage and even back in the Segunda División. Uh, but then again, I do think that Unión Comercio technically is from the jungle, uh, which is a little bit more of the forgotten region of Peru. But they're not from deep in the jungle. I mean, they're they're barely kind of like borderline between the Sierra and what and, you know the Amazon. Uh, no, kind of like kind of like Chachapoyas then. In, in exactly. Right. I I think that Sport Loreto is a, a a lot more representative of the region, and as such, they do deserve some football in their region, honestly. Because other than other than Sport Loreto, there used to be Sanei, which have you know, have not been doing as well. Estudiantil CNI did not make it to the national sticks. They did. They didn't. Right. They did. I said they did. They did. And and that's been kind of the hope. I mean, they had a, they had a decent campaign last year in the national stage. So, I mean, okay. So that is some good news to hear that they're still there. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I'm honestly conflicted between the both of the, the both of them. Uh, but if anything, I think that, uh, like you said, also their their fixtures are quite interesting because their away games are tough. You know, Sport Loreto uh, having Grau and Vallejo and Outreach away that's going to be tough. And then Victoria going, you know, having Salinas and and Manucci away are, are also tough. So yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, we might we might see kind of uh, an early. You know, uh, contention for uh, an early fight uh, for to see who stays in the division between the two of them in that game that they have against each other, and that could potentially decide a lot. Or who knows, they might continue to be tied up until the the very end uh, and have to play a you know a playoff match, uh, relegation playoff match at the end of the season. So I don't know. I I kind of feel for both of those teams really. Sport Victoria wasn't not like many people predicted Los Caimanes at the beginning of the year. I think Los Caimanes yeah. did well this year uh, to stay up, even though this top Machito Gomez and uh, Michelle Sobos kind of dropped in form. But um, Los Caimanes have dropped in form, Reefer. They've lost the last four, but they're, they're going to stay up. They're, they've almost done it. Uh, they have to go, they have to continue this really bad run to, uh, to go down. And I think it's possible, but given the games that Victoria and Loreto have and how tough they are, I think it's kind of. I, I think the chances of them staying up are pretty high. So, I think Caimanes is safe for another year. And the thing I like about Caimanes is that they're a team that went down. They they went up and they went straight back down in one year. But the thing I like about them is that they didn't they didn't give up because most Peruvian teams when they, they you, you see a lot of double relegations because there's not a lot enough interest in trying to work your way back to the Primera División, and. Um, yeah, no, they um, there's not enough interest in trying to work back, work your way back in the Premier and they literally just go down and give up. Look, Amanes was not like that. Look, Amanes have maintained their position in this league. They're basically one of the league's OGs. Maybe not OGs, but they're one of the. They've been in the league this <laughs> entire decade. A long time. They, they yeah. Los Caminos is part of that group that I think was a very interesting group uh, that played together the Copa Peru with Real Garcilaso and with Pacifico. Uh, yeah. So it was Real Garcilaso and Los Caimanes, and all three of those teams at one point, you know, uh, well, Real Garcilaso, of course, is still in the first division. They've had really memorable campaigns, but both Pacifico and Los Caimanes uh, also made it to the first division at different points. And Los Caimanes, like you said, is a good example of a team that's going to up, come back down, and remain there. Uh, stayed there while you have Los, uh, while you have Pacifico, which disappeared. You have yeah, no, my friend. My friend is my friend is a Pacifico fan. My friend is a Pacifico fan, and uh, he told me the team doesn't exist anymore. They're just playing uh, the youth teams now. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another example of that is also uh, La Bocana, which have completely disappeared, I believe. Well, kind of. I mean, there's still Chula's number one team, but they um. They, they had an administrative problems and they decided not to compete this year. So they're kind of on that route. But their rivals, Parachique, are actually in the Copa Peru. So that's uh, they're in the national stage. So that's kind of an interesting one. And um, let's see. Let me see. Uh, we're going to talk about some other players. I already talked about Marco Godos, who is my boy, Marco Godos from Dim. 
Deportivo de Independiente de Miraflores. And as for Victoria, don't really have anyone to note. They have a very young squad. Like I said, their oldest player and their only player over 30 is Rui Maravi. Maravi, sorry, not Maravi. And um, they're the joint second lower scoring team in the league with only 22 goals. So only Serrato has less. And I'm trying to remember who has the um, the lowest. I believe it was Santa Rosa. Yeah, they have 22 goals only. So they're, they're the joint lowest scoring team in the league, the second joint. Um, so, yeah, so to put it straight, Serrato are dead. Uh, Sport Loreto is where we're going to fight it out to the end. And um, the number one spot is going to be a fight between Cesar Vallejo, Manucci, and Cinciano, basically. I don't think Walrayoke and Walrayoke can do it. So I'm going to say it's those three. Now, to end the pod, because we've had a really good pod, I think we gotta answer the, we got to answer the two questions you've got. Um, okay. First, first we got a question uh, from Onsero uh, Navarro in the chat. He says, how is Jason Beans doing his sport on cash? Well, he's only well, – okay, he's played more than one game. He's, he's been there for a while now, Santa Provincial. But how how do you how do you how do you think of him in your first game, Christopher? I, this is the second spell at the club, I think. Yes, if I'm not mistaken, it is. I think. Well, he he had a pretty decent game, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, well, I, I'm I still I'm still conflicted about Sporankash, uh, honestly, and and what happened on on the Sunday. But no, he's he's been all right. He's been all right. I, I trust that things will get better. Uh, and I trust that, uh, yeah, that we will see more of of Vincent for sure. Uh, but no, but he had a pretty decent game, I would say. Uh, yeah, I, I think he he showed some talent. He showed some promise. He he's a very he's a very um Copa Peru second division player. He's got experience. He's not that old either. I think he's like 27, 28. He's got some years to go. I think he's a good signing for Ancash. I think he's one 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 that Ancash should have brought in is Christopher Charun, who went to Chimbote. And now, um, now he's at your rival yeah. city. So, have fun, have fun, Cipesa. He's gonna score goals for you. He scored goals for Ancash last year in the, the worst of situations. So he wasn't yeah. the best player, but at least he scored goals. He he was loyal. He was loyal to the team till the end for sure. I, I think I would prefer prefer him over Ronaldo Calera last season. <laughs> you know, like your boy. Any day yeah. of the week. Yeah. Now, let's, now let's answer the last three questions and um, let's end the pod. Like I said, we will make up for the Copa Peru bit that we missed out. Unfortunately, we kind of had a problem in planning. And uh, between me and Christopher, both of us are at fault. So nobody's at fault. Yeah. Uh, I, we'll, we will do a Copa Peru pod. We'll, we'll make it like a part two, a follow-up to this. Uh, for hopefully sure. next week. Hopefully for next sure. week. That's how the time goes. So um, do the lower league clubs use a lot of lone players in the first division? Not as much as you would think in Europe, like not as much as Italy, for sure not Italy or Spain, but they still do sometimes. I mean, they're more under the radar. Like Gianfranco Chavez, the under-20 Peru international, just joined um, just joined the Real Copsola, and he's doing quite well. He's playing as a right-back instead of a center-back, which I think that's his original position, so I guess it's fine. It's not like Bengo Chia playing Bia Marinas in a winger. I, I have to get a Bengo Chia pop in. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, people must be shaking his head right now. There's some of the some of the lower league. I, I have written about some of them. There's um Gianfranco Chavez, Hugo Akajima, who's a Cienciano from Cristal. I talked about him earlier in this pod. I'm trying to remember who else. There is also Patricio Torres, who's a Serrato, and he's playing out of position in the worst way possible. Um, and I'm just trying to see who else is alone. Oh no, I think I think Anthony Lavalle is there permanently uh, from Grau. I took you without. I'm just looking at. Uh, I think one I have one. Yeah, I feel Carrillo is alone. So there's a few, but there's not many. There's a, there's only a few of them. I, I think there should be more loanees in the second division, if you ask me. Uh, it, they definitely should. Uh, now, does any lower league club develop players well and force themselves they can't keep them? Yes, yes, for sure. There's a lot of them. Gianni Oposito was an example of this. Gianni mm-hmm. uh, Oposito, you know, you say what you want about my Alianza, but he has he has scored goals a lot in the Segunda División, and he has earned his way up to the Primera. I think he's a solid mid-table player. So um, yeah, they do they do develop players somewhat. Well, Dylan Caro has been developed well, Guadal, but Guadal is more of an institution than the rest of the clubs. So that might be an exception. Sarvayeko has developed Ali Benitez and um, there's several other players. Well, Christopher, why do you you can answer the last question as well if you want? I didn't go over to you. What do you think? I, I, I was just going to say, you know, think whatever you want of Superman Tequila Fernandez. 
<laughs> but he he did he did play some games in the second division. He even played for Sporankesha at one point. And I think Rui Diaz did as well. What was that? I think Rui Diaz did as well. I think he played at All America or something or All Cotahuaico. Yeah. Um, yeah, Rui Diaz played for All America Cochahuaico, which was the the second division version of Universitario. No. Uh, which also disappeared. I mean, they're no longer a team either. But yeah, there ha- there actually has been a lot of players that, uh, as youth, have gone to the second division and had decent campaigns and made their way back up to the first division. And then there's other cases that, of players that have made it way from the bottom, like uh, my my boy Jaime Oposito. Nene Renquifo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He... I, I didn't even run. Then he started at Sachapoyos, which is in Sachapoyos. He actually started to come up Peru. It's actually come up Peru is like the main developer of of, cl- of clubs outside of Lima. Uh, if if you didn't make it to Lima as a young boy from uh, Piura or, or Huancavelica, then you gotta make it in Copa Peru, and that's when they'll notice you. That's the best chance to notice you. Like I said, Christian Vargas, which I think is very good. I think he'll end up in the Premier League soon. Soon, he um he's a Suyana boy. He didn't play in Lima ever. He didn't play youth. Footballer, another player, and he watches one from Lima, Nene Rejifo, who started at um, Adasas Lurin. And then he has some time in Alfonso Huarte, the Copa Peru, then he has some time at Sport Ancash in the Segunda, where he was the revelation player. And um, he's another example. He got him back. We absolutely love him. And good for him that he's a Cantolao, but honestly, we wish we had him back. All right. And um, yeah, usually they can't keep him. Dylan Carroll can't expect to stay much longer. Uh, uh, I think the only club, well, I think the only club that can really keep any players uh, within them is the um, is the San Diego. I think that's the only club that really stands a chance. That's keeping the players. The rest, not really. But uh, I think Pedro Diaz is next in line for a player that's going to go to uh, the Primera División. Uh, ideally, uh, up to the team in the north, which um, for him, anyways. Now, um, last question: How hard is it for a third division club to go up the ladder? Very difficult. It's it's a lottery essentially. My I'll, I'll give an example. Okay, my club team. We were put in the group of death in the Provinciale, which had Afri Cosmos, uh, Eti from Chorrillos, and uh, what was the last club that was it? It was the um, Immaculada, the school Immaculada at Premasur from San Isidro, and uh, we literally did everything right except we lost that one game against Cosmos, and there's nothing we can do about it. We won the next two games, and there's nothing we can do about it. Like. One game out of all those games you play literally ruins your campaign. So uh, you, you can't yeah, mess but, up. Yeah, but at, at the same time, at the same time, the way that the Copa Peru works, uh, if you play your cards just right, you can find a route that's easier. Uh, and there's also routes that are way harder. I think that if you're a team, if you're a team from Lima, right, from one of the districts in Lima, it's going to be way, way harder because you have to go through the filter, which is Interligas. Right, yeah. and then after, even if you make it through the interligas, which one out of like a hundred teams do, then you have to make it to the to through the regional Lima stage, which which is also very tough. But then again, if you have another example, would be like Binacional, right, which started in Puno, and then you, they said, you know what, it's really hard to uh, go to the to the um, you know the first division from here, so they moved the team to Arequipa. And that is your fixture and much more talent in the region. And now they're in the first division. So or, it all depends on how much money you have, really, and where you place yourself in the country can give you a better chance of, of course, if you don't mess up during the tournament, uh, reaching the first division very quickly, within, uh, which, for example, was also the case of Real Garcilaso. Club created in 20, 2009 by 2011, uh, they're in the first division by 2013. They're in the, the Copa Libertadores. Another example is Hijos de Yurimaguas. Hijos de Yurimaguas thought Loreto was too tough and they moved to Ventania, which is like the easiest qualifying stage right. in the world. So, like, you right. literally just have to play like one stage and then you're in. So, um, they're, right. they're the path. But, like, you also got to think about your local team. Most teams don't do this because, like, they're very traditional to the area. A, a few of them, like the Fotola Bocana, for example, they're traditional to Sachura. So, they, they're not going to move. Uh, so I think it's I think they should of course. I think they should be national isn't traditional at all. So I think in regards to so isn't so they have no need to move. No. Well, but then then again that that just depends on what you know if you if you're a club owner or if you're someone that wants to make a career in soccer, right? 
and you don't care about the fans, you know, kind of MK Don style, then, <laughs> then yeah, of course, like you'll just put the team wherever you think is more convenient and you'll make it up the ranks. Or you can actually, you know, not cheat the system uh, and, and you know, fight it out from, from Ankash, fight it out from Madre de Dios, fight it out from Mukayali, fight, fight it out from whatever region uh, you happen to start your team from. Very few times the best team in Lima that actually won the Interliga. So that's why there's not been a Lima champion since 1978. So um, I believe it was... <laughs> What'd you say? Which I'm completely fine with because I, I already think that we have very solid teams in Lima. And I think that we need oh, to... Move I, think, to I, think team, I think Lima needs one more team in the second division. Just one. There's none okay. right I, I think I would be fine with that. I mean, Lima region already has very, very classic teams in Segunda División, like Unión Guaral, yep. Sol, I guess. Classic. Well, isn't classic. It's not, classic. Really, not, not really, but they have made a name for themselves. They've been, they've, they've been in the first division uh, for quite a few years, too. Part part of what Brian would call OGs. Um, That's what you call them. That's why I'm saying it. Well, well That's what you said. I didn't say that. You said that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. Okay. Well, anyways, um, uh, so um, there was a, yeah, like, Deem, Afe Cosmos, and Defensor Lubricantes were the three best teams in the Lima this year, and uh, Jimenez got the furthest, and they lost to a ghost goal as well. So they would have qualified as well. They, they, they lost a goal that didn't cross the line, and they were going to um, they were going to qualify without that. So they – um. Very few times the Lima team that's the, the, like I think this year the best team won. Defensor Laudesuda, but uh, otherwise very few times they actually make it. So yeah, that that that's kind of hard. I think other regions they do. I think in Puro the best team always makes it. I think in Cusco the best team always makes it, but in Lima it's not that way. So no, that's gonna be the yeah. end of our very first special pod, at least part one of the pod, because like I said yeah. we might do a part. No, we will do a part two at some point. I'll come up with it. We'll, we'll make up for this. False advertising method that we kind of messed up on. We kind of backfired on us, but um, we will we will be back for part two, and um, yeah, uh, make sure you tune in tomorrow for the main pod, which we were talking about the national team friendlies just in time as well because the Peru friendlies on Thursday, and um, yeah, I hope you enjoy this special pod. Uh, we hope to get more of these in the future, not just Copa Peru, but we think about like politics, like a Copa America draw reaction. Those are a few ideas we have in the bag right now. So um, uh, yeah, we hope we hope to get we hope you like this, and uh, we will be back tomorrow for the main pod. So uh, join us tomorrow on the same channel, and uh, yeah, uh, my 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 Twitter is b underscore bertie ninety eight. Christopher, what is yours? I'm Christopher Viscardo. You can find me in v i z underscore fc. All right, so that's gonna end the pod, and uh, let's uh, we'll, we'll hopefully you guys listen to us tomorrow.